0: Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.
1: You're listening to Talk with Renee Dallow, episode number 81. Talk about multicultural weddings with our special guest, Petronella Legumois. Petronella is a speaker, storyteller, educator, creative director, and owner of Petronella Photography, an award-winning photography studio based in the New York City area petronella creates exclusive destination wedding and family photography experiences for discerning multicultural couples by authentically capturing their love and family she believes that what makes you different makes you beautiful petronella's work has been featured in the knot carrots and cake essence martha stewart weddings and montalucci bride today she is here with us to dive deep into all things multicultural weddings so whether you're a photographer planner entertainer, florist, stationer, this is an important episode to expand your horizons and worldview. So go grab your coffee, grab your tea, and let's talk it out.
2: Welcome to Talk with Renee Dallow, biz chat for wedding pros and creatives. Tune in every week for no BS real talk from industry experts that want to help you thrive in your business and your life. Here's your host, event planner, educator, and sushi addict, Renee
1: Dallow. Grab a glass and get ready to talk it out. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Talk with Renee Dallow. It is me, your host, Renee Dallow, here every weekend. Every weekend? No. Every week. Guys, I don't work on the weekends anymore. It's a pandemic. This week, I am here with the very lovely Petronella Lugemois. Petronella, how are you?
2: I'm doing well. I'm here in the New Jersey, New York area, and it's a little cold, but I'm doing well. Yeah. Did you guys get snow yet? Oh my God. Did we get snow? It's <laughs> so much snow and piles, and it's mushy now. It's turning into its mushiness. But...
1: Uh, snow is beautiful the first day, and then by day three, you're like, meh, it's all right. I'm over it. I grew up in, in New York, so I'm very familiar with the cold, although I've lived in LA now for 20 years this week. Which is crazy. I still feel like I'm 28, so I don't know what happened to the last 20 years. I don't know. Um, (laughs) But I'm definitely not used to the cold anymore. So we have like 50 degree weather this week, and everyone has their heat on in California. It's bizarre. Ah. (laughs) Completely bizarre. Well, you are here with us today to discuss multicultural weddings, which is something that I've always wanted to talk about. Yet I am not an expert by any stretch on this topic, so I'm so happy that you're here to talk with us because I think um I think it's easy for us, you and I being coastal, um and in in or near major cities to think that everyone understands multicultural weddings, don't they? I mean, I grew up in New York City, right? So New York City is the center of the world. And I think we forget that there's all that all the places in the middle that maybe don't see a ton of multicultural anything, right?
2: Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah. So we're here to educate. We're here to talk about it. Like what even is a multicultural wedding? Like what are we talking about here?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. So it's funny because A lot of people, when I'm like, oh, I do multicultural weddings, everyone has an image of what that is. And some people are like, oh, Indian weddings, I love those. Or some people have told me, oh, you do Black weddings and Black. And I'm like, okay, this is how I define it. And I found this amazing definition from the International Federation of Library Associations and Institutions. Um, But for me, a wedding between two people of different cultures, where culture includes race, religion, cultural groups who are defined by their behaviors or their customs or their values, traditions, patterns, ways of thinking and communication, if that makes sense. So it's kind of like, I love that. Yeah. So like a Belizean and American or, you know, or Jewish and Catholic, like, yeah. Or even two yeah. different, like I've done a Nigerian um, Kenyan wedding. That's yes. Yeah.
1: Yes. I love that definition because it is so much broader than I think our instinct tells us. I mean, of course not you because you're an expert, but everyone else, right? We think multicultural. Most people do think, as you said, like, oh, I've done an Indian wedding or an Indian American wedding or whatever that means, right? So I love your definition because it's so much broader. So how did you get into multicultural weddings as a photographer?
2: That's a great question. So it's a little bit of my personal story. I was born in Uganda In Kampala, Uganda, and then my family immigrated to the United States when I was 10 years old. And that experience was sort of laid the foundation for why multicultural weddings was something that I'm very passionate about. Um, Growing up in Alabama as an immigrant um, was really hard for me, especially as a teenager. You're still navigating the different worlds and you're trying to figure out your identity Um, My family wanted me to really have my identity rooted in being like a true Ugandan daughter, but then I would go to school and I'd go out into the world and people weren't open to experience me as a Ugandan. And so all of a sudden I had this tension between, okay, do I, am I Ugandan? Am I American? Like how, how do I navigate through all of this? Um, And so I made the decision because I was like, it's not cool to be, quote unquote Ugandan. So I began to, I wanted to fit in so badly and to make other people comfortable that I let go a little bit of my Ugandan heritage. I didn't tell people my last name because it got questions and it got awkward. It's something that I did for a very long time. And then when I decided to go into wedding photography, um, I kept talking to all kinds of different people. And I saw that there were always these different worlds that they had to navigate. They were one way at work and then they were another um, at home or with their friends or with their family. Um, And what I noticed is at a wedding, you all those different worlds sort of come together, right? You have work friends and your family and everyone coming together and you want to celebrate all of it. And it's something that because of what I had grown up with and experienced, it's very natural. Like I got it. Like I get the tension with a family and you still wanting to be yourself, but still wanting to honor your her- heritage. And I think those are the core underlying things of multicultural weddings is that tension and that dynamic. So, and I love it. It's
1: beautiful. It's beautiful that you were able to, you know, as you grew as a, as, as yourself, you know, fold in your multitude of experiences into your business. Like I think that's what we all should be doing on some level. Yeah, I love that. What was it like growing up in Alabama? Can I can we sidetrack on that for a minute?
2: <laughs> Great question. You know, it was like, until I came to New York, I didn't realize how much of a bubble it was. Um, I would know, definitely, Alabama's very black and white. It's yeah. very, it's this way or that way. There's not a lot of, at least when I was growing up, there was not a lot of space for other types of ways of being, if that makes sure. sense. Very, yeah. The Southern culture, it's very, very traditional, mm-hmm. sl- slow. This The pace is much, much slower. Yeah, they just was always, it seemed like this is how you should be. And if you're not this way, you're an outsider. That makes yes. sense. Yes, yes, totally. As you know, New York is like a melt. Everything goes.
1: <laughs> well, you know, here's what's funny about New York if, is that I grew up in Brooklyn and Brooklyn is just as weirdly... Um, not segregated, because that's not the right word. But like, there are definitely like neighborhoods, like I was in the Italian Catholic neighborhood, right. And mm-hmm. my school was multicultural, like my Catholic school was very multicultural, but our block wasn't. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And, and, so, and in Brooklyn, like the block, everyone, you just stay on your block like that the block is a big deal. So I even it really is. I mean, people who don't live in the city don't necessarily understand this. But whoever's on your block that's like your little nuclear that's like your family right there and i remember the first time someone of a a different race moved onto the block and it was like oh the block what's happening who are these (laughs) outsiders and it was like even as a kid i was like this is ridiculous but like my grandparents that their their stuff was more ingrained so there definitely was like this is how we do things here especially as italian americans in brooklyn like you, you know everyone's seen the movies like you get it right that those are my people but when people meet me now they're like you don't sound like you're from brooklyn and i'm like well that's on purpose right? Like I could sound like I'm from Brooklyn. I choose not to. (laughs) And it's kind of that same thing of fitting in. Like, I think we spend a lot of our adolescence, no matter where we're from or no matter where we are, trying to fit in and trying to, I don't know, smooth out the edges of what makes us unique because we think we have to conform. But then hopefully as we mature, we can say, no, this is the full experience of myself and I can bring in you know, all the parts of me, hopefully
2: and it's beautiful and that's what makes you so amazing
1: I, I agree and, and honestly like it's rare that in California I do like a, a big Italian Catholic wedding but the ones that I have done I'm like oh you're my people I to- like I get them on us on like a soul level <laughs> 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 which is probably how maybe you feel with these multicultural weddings. like you understand them on like a cellular level
2: I, yeah. yeah so do
1: what what makes your job, like, as a photographer for a multicultural wedding, I'm sure you, you didn't always do just multicultural weddings, correct?
2: I didn't, but it's so funny because I put so much of myself out there. The beginning, I just naturally attracted people yeah. who come to me and just be like, oh, um, I'm getting married to uh, El Salvador. Like, they just naturally, and I just was like, oh, you know, whatever happens, happens. You know, right. I work with everyone um, and still do. Is your job as
1: a photographer different though, when it's a multicultural wedding?
2: I would say yes. (laughs) You're navigating a lot more. It's, um, you have to understand the traditions. You have to understand how people self-identify themselves, what's important to them, what's important to their families, what's going on just in terms of like the traditions and how the event is laid out and just navigating all of that. It's not as straightforward as as I would say, most mainstream weddings as of now. Does that make sense? No,
1: it totally makes sense. And I agree. And I also think, too, for me, when I've done weddings for clients where I do not share their culture, it's up to me as the planner or anyone involved in the wedding to do the proper research and ask the right questions um, in order to get the information that you need. And I think where we see people maybe not not do as great of a job as they could is because maybe they're scared to ask the questions.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. I'm not scared <laughs>
1: <laughs> no i've I've learned to not be because I think you have to figure out a way to do it respectfully, because of course, we have to obviously respect as a base level human right, but also like, trying to normalize our language, right? I just said normalize and that's one of the words I don't like, but just like, instead of saying like, well, in a normal wedding, we would do this. What do you guys do? It's like, okay, please don't do that. Um, and I know that should go without saying, but I just wanted to say it in case that isn't anyone's brain right now, like there is no such thing as a normal wedding. They're
2: just weddings. I think what something else that you said, which you touched upon is I always say is what is the intention in your heart and what is the story you have in your mind about what should happen. And when you're talking to somebody, if your intentions are, come from a place of, I really want to understand so I can better serve you, then your tone and the way you approach the questions is going to make that person open up more as opposed to, you know, if you're like, ew, what what do you guys do? And why is it, you know? <laughs> right. If, into that of like a defensive like or who are you and what is yeah that's sort of different so coming with a heart for serving and understanding and um and just saying hey I want to do my best I don't really know how to ask this question but I I, I feel like there might be something how do you self-identify yourself or tell yes. me about this or will it show up at your wedding and what would it look like and what should I look like how should I dress
1: Yes, yes. The first time I did an Indian, I had an Indian groom and a Caucasian bride from Chicago. (laughs) And I wear black to every wedding that we do on purpose, because I want us to blend into the background. I don't want to draw attention. I don't want anyone to look at us like we're, we're there to serve. Um, I didn't know until almost, uh, thankfully I, I knew ahead of time, but the weekend of the wedding when I was packing, someone said to me, you're not going to wear the your, you know, your usual outfit, right? And I was like, well, of course I am. And they're like, you can't wear black to an Indian wedding. And no one, they had never said anything to me about it because they had never seen me at work and they didn't know. So thankfully, uh, someone, a friend of mine was, a, was able to give me that information. That's something that I felt I should have done in my research and I just didn't think about it.
2: No. And I would say I've been in the same... Um... One of my earlier weddings was a um, a Chinese-American wedding, and I showed up in a beautiful raw silk black dress, like, yes, I'm going to blend in. And I remember walking into the room, and it's like the air got sucked out, and people looked at me. And it's a feeling of, most immigrant children know this, like the, you have brought shame to the family. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh my gosh! And then later on, I found out like in that culture, black is a sign of mourning and death. And I was yes. raised to the wedding, and it was kind of like, ah. So, yeah. So now that's a question that I I ask um, my couples is sort of like, this is what I'm going to be wearing. Is this appropriate? What are your thoughts? And later on, I had a Thai wedding, and similar thing. I literally went out and bought a gold dress because I was like, oh, I'm going to make the same mistake again. And I had
1: yes. I think it's just about being so aware, right? Aware of yourself and your habits and tendencies. Mm-hmm. And then also just aware of your clients. But then also, I think like having the emotional IQ to, in the moment, think like, am I, is this appropriate for what I'm, like, whatever you're doing in that moment, you know, like having your eyes wide open for the entire event to just make sure that like we're good, you know?
2: get in. And even, I would say, even on the day of, during the wedding and on the day of the wedding, something I will do is lean on the aunties because I feel like they are people who are all, no one really pays a lot of attention to them, but <laughs> yes. if you don't understand something, I'm like, what is going on over there? Should I be over? Like they love just sort of helping. Like they will literally guide you through. They want to see you do well as well. So
1: I think in every culture, the aunties are so powerful. And we don't, we, and we don't acknowledge that enough.
2: <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> powerful aunties for the
2: win. So
1: for um, So this podcast is for wedding vendors, primarily mm-hmm. is the audience. So if there's someone listening who really has it on their heart that they would like to do multicultural weddings, but maybe they themselves are not multicultural like their background is not and they they don't know how to break in what is your advice should they try to break in what's the what's appropriate here
2: yeah good question i would say be very clear of the culture you're really trying to understand and the nuances of it and i would say do a little bit of research on your own in terms of understanding the culture i always say there's the culture then there's a the subculture region or tribe because you can say certain, like, I'm just going to use mine, Ugandan, like you're like, oh, Ugandan wedding. But really there's like different sectors and sub regions of that. So really dive into a little bit of research. Um, I would say number one is reach out to vendors who, who are probably super familiar with that culture and begin to really immerse and understand, okay, what is this culture about? What's important? What themes consistently show up and really show an interest in it? And then I would say um, once you have a good grasp, you've maybe tried the food, you have gone out, you you know, you've reached out to other vendors and talked to them and really sort of have a good, better grasp on the culture, Um, you can put together a styled shoot. That's one thing. But I would say definitely put together a styled shoot with a really good understanding and research of what that culture is about and what's important to that culture and even what should happen as part of the style sheet. So don't just be like, oh, we have a, you know, Chinese bride. Check, let's put her in this and this. Like, make sure that you really understand, is this appropriate? Are all the elements truly authentic? Um, So I'd say that's one. The other thing is just, if you are part of a multicultural wedding, either as an assistant or just you're showing up as one, really dive into the experience because... A lot of the work that I've gotten is from guests who are at the wedding, saw me shooting a wedding and saw how I interacted and how I embraced the culture. And they were like, oh, she, she's really down. She's really cool with everything. That's somebody that I would want. And so you can get a lot of referrals that way if that makes sense that's no that's
1: great i love that and i you know i think styled shoots always sometimes get a bad rap for being like oh do i have to do a styled shoot but in the case where you're trying to break into a new market especially multicultural that is a good way to to also educate yourself like do enough do the research on the styled shoots so that when you have a an actual client coming to you for an inquiry you already have at least some working knowledge of um of whatever the culture that you invited into the styled shoot is but also like let's not. Like, let's not discount actual research, like normalize research. (laughs) We're not meant to just know things all the time, guys. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. Even specifically the language, like what words, what symbols, what colors, what traditions are really important. Knowing that is going to also help you connect with clients. Like if you mention, oh, are you guys going to be having this sort of rum and this Haitian wedding? And they are yes. like, Oh my God, I didn't realize that. Uh, and that person already shows that you're, you're, you already show that you care. I think it's about caring. It I
1: is. Know. It is about caring. It really is and It's about caring enough in this, in the potential of working with these, with this, this person, this couple to at least do some research. I mean, I'll tell you that Indian American wedding that I, that I booked, Um, when they called me to say like we'd like to work with you they said you were the only um, (laughs) you were the only white wedding planner who used all the right terms for the Mm -hmm. bra and and like and I because I had done research like I really wanted this wedding and I I set out to the internet and did my research and I was kind of surprised that I was the only one but then again not because I think people shy away from things they don't feel familiar with because they don't want to offend. Mm-hmm. But as long as you're doing the research and you're, I think you're coming from a place of service and you're really educating yourself, then I don't think there's an offense there. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong.
2: I totally agree. I would say um, come to a place of acceptance that you will probably do something which is not cool. Like yeah. just- <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> When you're nervous, you're going to do something wrong. You do something wrong. You know what I mean? For sure. So just accept that and be like, okay. But also do your homework. So yeah, 100% agree with what you said. So
1: for those of us who are working with multicultural couples, and perhaps people even listening are like, oh yeah, I do have a multicultural couple. Based on your definition that you gave us, because they weren't thinking of it that way. Um, I basically I have a question, but it has two parts. So like for those couples that we work with that want to incorporate parts of their culture into their wedding. Like, how can we be encouraging? But then also, what do we do when we have a client? Because I had I had a potential client. I did not end up working with them for this reason. That perhaps is not part of of any of these cultures that they're talking about, but yet they want to borrow traditions. So like, for example, I had a potential client. I don't remember what their culture was. They, they appeared, they seemed to be white to me. Um, and one of the things the bride wanted to do was like, all of the traditions she wanted to break a glass and jump a broom and do the hand fasting and she listed a ton of to her traditions that were not part of any of their cultures but she wanted to do them as a ceremony as like a homage and i was really uncomfortable with it (laughs) um because i thought i don't think you understand the origin of some of these things like jumping a broom right like i don't think you know the background enough i think you think it's a cute thing so um how do we how do we both encourage or discourage these things.
2: I would say asking a lot of questions, asking what that specific tradition means to a person, um, and really diving into the story is going to uncover a lot of detail around what that means to that person. And is it just a checkbox or a for show, or is there something deeper in there that somebody's trying to give honor to? Does that make sense?
1: Totally. Yes. And I think had I worked with this couple, had I I think at the time I was very like taken aback by that by her wanting that, I was like, "Uh, I don't think we're aligned." And and I still stand behind that. But I agree. I I agree if there's a deeper meaning and perhaps who knows, right? I, we can't judge a book by its cover almost every single time. So maybe I was too quick to judge on my end. I also think it's important for wedding vendors to know the origin of some of these things, uh, all of these things before they yes. execute them, don't you?
2: Absolutely. It changes how you um, approach a wedding and how much effort you put into different parts of the wedding. If you're going off the story in your head or going off what truly matters to that couple, right?
1: And there's also like another layer of like family expectation sometimes. And I, I'm thinking more of my of my Jewish weddings or like a Jewish a Christian wedding or, or you know Jewish and then some other um, religion. You know, marrying is that I always ask the questions of like well, like, what parts are we doing here? Like, are we just doing the breaking of the glass? Are, you, are we just doing, like, the, the cultural parts? Or are we doing the religious parts? Are you doing the tish, the badecken, the ketubah? You know, what level are we doing here? And a lot of times, though, that line of questioning, A, I think for them, it shows them that I know what I'm talking about, but also it allows me to see, like, in this family, how devout are they? How religious are they with these traditions? And then sometimes the couple will say, like, well, my mom really wants us to do it, right? And so that that's a clue right there. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's, that's, I would say, one of the biggest things um, I ask at the very beginning is, first of all, understanding how the couple self-identify themselves as individuals, and then as a couple, and then you add on the layer of a family. And once you understand that, you can begin to see this is how the wedding might play out. Um, I did a Greek. Orthodox Jewish wedding, um, which are, you know, you can come with a story of like, oh, they're probably going to do this. And they're probably going to throw plates. Yeah, exactly. And then she's like, oh, you know, I'm secular. Like, I don't really. And she's like, I actually converted. And as I heard her answers, I began to change the idea of what would happen at the wedding changed, if that makes sense. Like I went from totally much more. Greek Orthodox, like it's much more influenced by his side as opposed to her side. So yeah. And then understanding, she's like, oh, you know, my family's not so excited about it. You know, like my family's, okay, this is, you know, a little bit more cool with however it goes. But his family was very like, oh, we'd love to see this and this and this. And yeah.
1: Do you have like a standard set of questions you ask your couples to, to get to the heart of these
2: matters? I do. I have five. It's and I and, and I never ask them like, tell me your name. Da, 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 da. I do have questions that I am always like, I need to understand these things. So the first one is, how do they? What is their cultural heritage? How do they self-identify as individuals and as a couple? What specific subculture, region, or tribe are they affiliated or most connected to? Because um, that's going to influence the wedding. And then understanding what cultural heritage means to them. Because if they're super either Americanized or Europeanized, they might be like, yes, I might look this way, or I may identify this way, but it eh, doesn't really mean that much to us. We're going to have a very Christian type of wedding. Um, so understanding what those elements will look like. Who are the most important people who are going to be at the wedding? And why are they important? So some weddings, um, it's easy to think, oh, it's the couple who's, the key and the star, but it actually ends up being like the auntie or the MC or like right. people. Yes. <laughs> so understanding that and, or sometimes it's the officiant or somebody else who really dictates everything. And if you really focus on that person, everything else falls into place. Understanding what can I expect from your wedding. I think one question I get is sort of like, I don't know how to price this wedding. I don't know how many hours. And so asking that question upfront. So you have an idea of, this is how much time this could take and these how many days possibly, how many ceremonies and how long. Just get wrapping your head around that and sort of understanding what does this couple envision happening and what could happen. And then finally, to, to our point that we talked about earlier is what's appropriate vendor attire from head to toe. So yes. you can get everything above and then you might walk in and with your shoes and walk up on the stage and everyone's Oof. like...
1: <laughs> oh no yeah yeah so, also, also important too so that the vendor can communicate to their team so like i'm sure you don't shoot these by yourself so you, it's not like the information is just for you it gets disseminated
2: out exactly exactly yeah so, so these are the questions that, and they are not sometimes all asked at the same time sometimes it's over the length of the relationship that you know but at least the first one
1: yeah, of course. Of course. Like, I feel like for the photographers, some of these come in the in the timeline conversation when you're like, okay, so what are we? What did we narrow it down? What are we really doing? <laughs> how many ceremonies? How many days are we really doing?
2: Um, yeah, also awesome in pricing, right?
1: Well, that too. Yeah, that too. Do you think that multicultural weddings get a fair representation in our industry, or do you think that, that we still have a ways to go?
2: Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of
1: hit, hit you with the hard
2: one there, friend. I'm sorry. I have to say, Because you feel it as somebody. So there's this quote which says, you can't be what you see, what you can't see. I think it's by Miriam Wright Edelman. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's really, really important. So something I'm always sort of watching and and seeing who's doing what and how are they doing it. Um, And I would say before 2020, I would say everyone was getting an F. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Kind of person And this was the model of what your wedding should be like. And everyone else did not deserve to be showcased. I would say um, now I'm seeing like the knot is doing a fantastic job of really showcasing a full breadth of multicultural weddings and, oh, you could do this and you can be like this. And um, I think that's super, super encouraging. I definitely think there's a ways to go before it's, it's the norm, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But. I'm very, very hopeful, very, very hopeful, so yeah, but it does matter, it really like, when you showcase a range of people and ethnicities and sizes and everything, like you have people who, I would say it makes it easier for people to connect and understand each other when the weird thing is not quote unquote weird.
1: Right. I also think too. The more we, as a culture, see not just our own lived experiences mirrored back at us, the more we all become more compassionate humans. You know, I mean, I'm just I'm tired of the expectation that we can only appreciate what we know firsthand. And I think, in a in a in a small way, in our in our corner of the industry, right, at least we can say, look. I'm not going to purchase your magazine. Not that they're still printing magazines anymore. Or I'm not going to give you my clicks if you're not going to showcase a, a wide, you know, stretch of society of that that we know exists. It's just you're not you're not showcasing them. And and I agree with you. You know, like you, you can't be what you can't see. It's like the more amazing weddings we can showcase that are multicultural, the more multicultural amazing weddings there will be to publish. <laughs> because it must be hard to gather inspiration when you don't see
2: yourself. Exactly, exactly. But also, I know personally how important it is for people's self esteem and sense of worthiness to see themselves celebrated in mainstream media and also know that, okay, this is quote unquote beautiful. This is deserving of being celebrated. So,
1: I mean, look, 2020 was so challenging on every level, and 2021 has not proven to be much easier. Um, but I think we're getting there. And I think, you know, one of the great things about the social justice movement in 2020, I think was just opening everyone's eyes. And then hopefully those of us who really care are the ones holding people's feet to the fire to say, okay, you have to do better, though. You can't just say you're going to do better. You have to actually do better. Mm -hmm. And hopefully we're making strides in that direction. I hope.
2: I hope so too. And I'm going to continue to share and and to to help because I think stories are one very powerful way to connect and allow people to get inspired and see that love is love is love is love regardless of what that it might look different
1: agreed and and I love what you said about story you know our stories are so important because no matter what anyone looks like or no matter what anyone's traditions are love story is a love story and I think we can all appreciate those
2: Mm -hmm. exactly
1: And it's funny, even as you were talking about your upbringing and, you know, your your heritage in Uganda and your upbringing in Alabama, I mean, it's not the same thing, of course, but I was thinking about, like, you know, I grew up in Brooklyn where everyone had, like, really thick accents and we were all, like, kind of lower middle class. And then my mom moved us to a very fancy town on Long Island for high school and I had to figure my shit out, right? I had to, like, speak correctly in full sentences and you know, like get my shit together. And, um, not the same, of course, but that is, that is what, when you, when I told your story, I thought, oh, there's a small part of me that feels a similar way than you. Our stories connect us and that we both had that adolescent experience of like conforming.
2: Yes, exactly. And isn't that, oh, I love that. I actually, I love that you shared that because that's what it is at the base core, we, the emotion, the story of feel, of belonging, of identity. It's still the same.
1: And that's what we want for our multicultural couples. We want them to belong and feel included and feel celebrated because shouldn't we want that for every single person in the world? Everyone. Right. Yeah. That's what we're here for guys. We're just here for love and educating ourselves so that we can better serve our clients. (laughs) I'm all about continuing education. So I just, I loved having this conversation with you. Thank you for coming on to have it because you know, I think every time I, I, I talk to a, a, especially an up and coming vendor, right. Who's still getting their feet wet, who wants to spread their wings, but they feel embarrassed or, or afraid that they don't know something. It's like, yeah, everyone starts out not knowing. I mean, you didn't know every single one of these cultures before you started working with them, you did your research. So there, we have to normalize that. We have to normalize research and, and, um, and educating ourselves, you know, Um, because just knowing what you know is only going to get you where you've already been.
2: Exactly. Exactly willing to be a little bit uncomfortable and
1: exactly uh, and get it wrong like you said it's okay to get it wrong as long as you make it right
2: exactly
1: yeah thank you again so much where can people find you out in the world wide web
2: yeah Renee thank you so much for having me um you can find me everywhere Instagram is usually where I am YouTube Vimeo Petronella Photography
1: And of course, we will link that in the show notes. So you will be able to just one click away, find Petronella and follow her and all the goodness. Again, thank you so, so much. And listeners, thank you so much for spending your time with us. I know you can't get this time back. And so we don't take it lightly that you spent it with us. We will see you next week. Same time, same place. Bye bye for now.
2: Thanks for listening to Talk with Renee Dallow. Dive into the show notes at reneedallow.com forward slash podcast. And connect with Renee at Talk With Renee Dallow on Instagram.
0: Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time tested gift around a watch she can wear every day for Movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale